Miracy. A lot of the trends that we're talking about, they're kind of coming together to make it so that it's going to be very hard to make a living, never mind do well, as a mediocre coach, as a just average coach. I mean, we're not that far off from AI just doing that job for you. Are you ready to step into the future of coaching? Today's episode will be a little different and exciting. We're going to explore the future of the coaching industry and look at ways in which coaches can evolve and adjust their coaching businesses to stay ahead of the game. And we're going to discuss how we as coaches can work together to shape the future for our businesses and our clients. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped tens of thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. At Just Between Coaches, we dive deep into meaningful conversations, and today we're going to be looking at the emerging trends and disruptions that are shaping the coaching industry. My guest and I will be asking some big questions about where the coaching industry is heading and what types of clients will be buying coaching in the future. And for this conversation, I've invited Danny Eney. Now, Danny is the founder and CEO of Miracy, a business education company on a mission to reimagine business and transform education. He's a colleague, he's a friend, he's my mentor, and an amazing entrepreneur. And he's also the executive producer of Miracy's FM Podcast Network. Welcome, Danny. Thank you so much, Melinda. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited about this topic. I want to dive right into this conversation Because as a believer in the power of coaching, I believe that this is a great time of incredible change. I think the pandemic, as an industry, we were already catapulting and the pandemic just hit that accelerator for us. And it's crucial, I think, that we really approach the future of coaching with that visionary perspective. And the world continues to change at this unprecedented rate. Like things are so quickly changing. And we've got to make sure that we're aware of it, because if we're not paying attention to it, all of a sudden, what used to work in our business isn't going to work anymore. So let me just ask you, how do you see the coaching industry transforming in the coming years? Well, so I agree completely about the importance of not kind of rushing to keep up with fads to stay on top with the Joneses sort of thing. But you do have to recognize what is changing in the industry around you. There's a truism in business that if the rate of change outside your business is faster than the rate of change inside your business, then you're out of business. So you Uh have to know how things are are evolving and what you need to be on top of. Um, I also think that we tend to be very bad at predicting the future. Even when we attempt to do it and we have some domain expertise, we tend to be able to, to make those predictions in a very narrow way. And then we, we assume that everything outside of our expertise kind of stays the same. So classic examples of this is Brave New World. This is a book that was written before the electronics revolution and is imagining a time in the future where the character gets on an elevator and there isn't a person operating the elevator, pulling the levers for which floor you're going to go to. There's a robot doing it, right? Because he could imagine that it wouldn't be a person doing that job, but he couldn't imagine that, you know, you just push a button and it would happen. 
in the 60s, Star Trek was visionary in, you know, you've got people of all races and all backgrounds on the bridge. You've got famously a, a black woman on the bridge, which was very avant-garde at the time. But her job was to answer the space telephone and she wore a miniskirt in space. So, you know, yes, it was avant-garde, but, you know, in a very, very narrow context. And so you want to be careful about kind of trying to blue sky predict the future. What we tend to do much better is look at where are we now? What are the trends that are already gaining steam now? And how can we extrapolate those forwards? What does that tell us about where things are going? And there are two really big waves, I think, that are affecting the coaching industry. One is a wave that's been kind of slowly building for a couple of decades. And the other has, I mean, also been slowly building, but outside of people's awareness. So it's much more of one of those overnight things that was 10 years in the making. So the first big wave that I'm looking at is around this model that comes from this guy named Everett Rogers. It's called the diffusion of innovations. And I think most people listening to this, maybe they haven't heard that term, but they're familiar with the model. If you've ever seen a bell curve divided into innovators and early adopters and the early majority and the late majority, and that's what it is. And so it's kind of a, a model for thinking about how does something new make its way into permeating a market, an industry, a society. And it's very instructive to think about coaching as that innovation. So if we go back 20, 30 years, who had a coach? The answer is almost nobody, right? The innovators, the early adopters. And there is a psychology to innovators and early adopters. They like to be on the bleeding edge. They're excited about what will give them that, that upside. They tend to be fairly risk tolerant and fault tolerant. And then as something makes its way through the society, people kind of come on board with it more. They expect it to be more reliable, to work better, better consumer protections and expectations around, yes, this is going to work. No, I'm not going to be paying through the nose. I'm not going to be gouged. It's going to be fair. And we expect that we don't need to focus so much on a domain expertise, right? If you think about the early days of the internet, if you wanted to get online, if you wanted to do things, you need to know the bit rate of your modem and the, you know, make and model of your motherboard and how they're going to work together. Nobody knows that stuff now, right? We just expect it to work. We focus on the experience and the outcomes, not on the fundamental technology or details that make it happen. And we've seen a lot of that evolution with coaching it's much more mainstream, right? We expect to work with a coach who will help us in any number of areas, basically any area that is important for us to improve our performance in some way. We don't particularly care which coaching school or methodology the coach is applying. We just care that they are good and they're helping us and that the price is reasonable and the experience is good. And so that's kind of one big evolution. And then the other one is this kind of freight train that feels like it came out of nowhere to a lot of people, even though it's been, you know, in the works for like a decade. And that is AI. So those are the two big macro trends that that I'm looking at that I think have really big implications that coaches should just have their eye on. And so let's look at that first one. When you're talking about that bell curve, you know, we've gone from the innovators, early adopters. We're kind of on the other side of that bell curve where it's no longer just for the luxury or the elite or the few people that invest in it, but for the everyday person to be the buyer and, and someone who invests in coaching. Where else do you see the other side of the bell curve taking us? I remember when I was a teenager going to buy a computer and I was fairly computer literate. And so 
you know, I'm pulling up the specs of what are the computer that I want. And, you know, you choose your motherboard and you choose which RAM you want to have. You choose the hard drive that you want to have. You choose your graphics processor and which company is it from? Is it from NVIDIA or Matrox or Hercules or, or whatever? I mean, nobody does that today, right? We just expect a complete package that works. So as a coach, what does this mean for you? Well, five, 10 years ago, you could be this very focused, specialized coach. And in a previous conversation that you and I had uh, for this podcast quite a while ago, we talked about the coach versus consultant distinction. And, you know, people could be very dogmatic and pristine about their definitions. Well, no, I'm not a consultant. I'm a coach. This is in bounds. This is out of bounds. And while it's important to have clear boundaries on what you can and can't do, clients are going to be much less tolerant of, you know, no, I only serve this really narrow set of experiences and challenges for for this other thing, go to a consultant, for that other thing, go to a teacher, for that other thing. No, it's like if you're the person I'm working with to improve my relationship or my health or whatever it is, I expect more of a one-stop shop experience. I expect you to have more, let's call it hybrid capabilities of being able to advise where appropriate and being able to coach where appropriate in the traditional terminology and being able to put me through leveraged experiences or give me resources. I just expect more of a one-stop shop experience. And that's challenging for the coach that has to broaden their skill set and the portfolio of what they have to offer. But it's also an opportunity because it means that as a consumer, I'm not looking to, you know, seven different coaches to work with or, or consultants or vendors to work with on all the different areas. I just, I want one person. It's like, you're my guy, you're my gal. You're going to do it yeah. all for me. You're going to get a lot more of my business, frankly. Yeah, one of the things that I've been pondering, knowing that this episode was coming up, is one of the things I've been talking about in some of our events and workshops and trainings is when I look back in the very beginning, it was what is coaching? And then it was why coaching? Why should I do coaching? And really now it's why should you be my coach? And I'm wondering, like, what is the next question that the buyers are going to be asking? Well, and to the outcomes. And this is, again, kind of if we look at that diffusion of innovations, you know, innovators and early adopters tend to be both literate and passionate about the, the modality of the offer, right? And so, you know, a lot of the early adopters of coaching services were people who were excited about coaching. Coaches were huge consumers of coaching services. And so they're like, yeah, coaching, coaching, coaching. It's like they're, they're all excited about that. Most people don't care about that. You talk a lot about kind of the pain versus pleasure island, right? Coaching is the boat. Nobody cares about coaching per se. They care about the outcomes that you can help them get to and the confidence that they can have in your ability to get them there. But I think a big shift is the shift away from coaching and towards the outcomes. One of the things that came out of the pandemic, I think this might be more my own personal perception, maybe not a trend. I'm not really sure, but I wanted to talk about it. The ripple effect of mental health on everybody, for every topic, everywhere, around the world, in every culture. I believe we're just at the beginning of seeing the ripple effect of the impact on mental health from that pandemic. What role do you see that playing in the coaching industry, if any? I think it's a really good question. And it's one of those we talked about earlier how, you know, we're good at extrapolating in, in the narrow space of our expertise and beyond that, we tend to have blind spots. We tend to kind of reduce it to a lot less complexity than is actually there. And I feel like that's the case for me looking at this. I think the mental health effects are, first of all, different for different cohorts, right? For 
people who are already fairly well-adjusted adults and they're working with other people online. They have a reasonable amount of support, which I want to be super clear, that is not representative of most people. But, you know, the pandemic was stressful and people adjusted and adapted and that was all good. Um, There were a lot of people for whom they didn't have the support system. It added an enormous amount of stress and strain that I, I don't know if that has been really processed or dealt with adequately. It's just like, okay, now the pandemic is in air quotes over and so we're moving forward. But, you know, you can't just brush past things that were really hard without processing and dealing with them. So what is the role of a coach in that? It's really tricky because, you know, as you've discussed with other people on the show, a coach is not a therapist. A coach is not a licensed mental health professional. But the spectrum of mental and emotional challenges, it it is a spectrum, right? It's not clearly delineated. There is this bucket and that bucket. This is the coaching stuff. This is the therapist stuff. But even though the job descriptions delineate, the challenges can kind of blur quite a lot around the edges. And so I think all I can say with confidence is that, especially as coaching becomes more of a common thing and it's less of a niche thing that very few people go after, um, coaches have to be much broader in their peripheral understanding of a lot more and much clearer on what are the boundaries of this is what I can help you with, this is what I need to refer you to something else, but kind of knowing what's inside the net and outside of the net and having as comprehensive coverage as possible for the things inside the net. So, you know, multimodal, various approaches, hybrid, all that kind of stuff, but also very clear awareness of this is outside the net and I need to point you to someone who can help you. It's been one of the things that I've been seeing a lot of coaches just in the last 12 to 18 months that they're adding to their the skills that they've already been trained in in the realm of coaching. And that's, I'll call it the trauma-informed coaching to kind of layer into whatever their niche is that they're working within so that they do have that understanding so that they can be well-informed and trained to a certain degree while they are not therapists. I think there's going to be even more of that because I see this mental health impact on careers, families, relationships, financial, well-being, business. I mean, you name it. And it's touching all niches. And I think as coaches, we're going to have to go beyond the typical skills that we learn in coach training to have a grasp of knowing how to navigate, like you said, what does it mean to be inside the net and outside the net? And how do I distinguish that? I don't think it's going to be as cut and dry that says, oh, I'm not a therapist. Uh, I'm only a coach. And I think there's going to have to be some educating that we do with ourselves on this topic. And I think we're just at the beginning of this. And, you know, I, if I look forward one, two, even three years, it's going to explode. And to stay ahead of the curve, this is something that as coaches, we need to keep our eyes on for sure. Now, the world of virtual is that a trend that's going to continue or is it normalized now? Or, I mean, my business has been virtual since day one for the 18 years we've been doing this. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because for a lot of people, it feels like a new trend for them. You know, I don't see it so much as a trend as a growing comfort with a different modality. I remember in the early days of the pandemic, you know, everything was going online and I've a lot of colleagues who are in the kind of thought leader space, some of them were professional speakers. They've been flying around, getting on stages, speaking for decades. And they did an online virtual presentation or two, and they were like, I don't like this. This doesn't work. I told them, you know, you're not in a position to assess that. You're comparing 20 years of experience in muscle memory with something that you've, you've never done before. You don't know. 
you just don't have that experience. And I think what the pandemic has done is force people to immerse themselves enough that they develop that fluency and comfort. In the early days of the pandemic, a lot of discussion around virtual is how do you capture some of the things we do in person and do it virtually, but how do you do it differently so it still works virtually? Um, I noticed something interesting just for me. This is the other day. So as context, you know, we've done in-person masterminds in my company for a long time. And when the pandemic happened, you know, everything went online. And we started, instead of, you know, having the agenda be on a flip chart and everyone's around the table and people shout out topics and we write it down, now we do it with a Google Doc, right? So there's a Google Doc, everyone gets the link, everyone can put their own stuff. It gets populated in a fraction of the time. It's so much better. It's like dramatically more effective. And I just noticed myself, I kind of recognized the thought where I was going for a walk and we're doing an in-person mastermind in a little while. And I was like, how can I do something like that in person so we don't go back to this like clunky agenda creating experience, right? And that's where you want to be. You want to be in a, in a place where you are good enough in a, in a modality where you can say, how can I take this magic and port it to somewhere else? And three years ago, all the magic we knew was in person. <laughs> and there was, you know, all you could do is port from in person to online. We didn't have any magic online. We just didn't know it. Now we have more of that familiarity and comfort. And so that means that you can choose the context that will work best for what you're trying to do. Because here's the thing, my business has been online, remote from the beginning as well. And we do almost everything online. And occasionally it is good to meet with people in person. I'll do VIP days, we'll do masterminds. And there's a value to those things being in person because it's just different than virtually, right? So it's not about oh, everything's going virtual, that's how it's going to be, or everything is better in person, so it's all going to end up going back there. It's about the different ways of doing things have different strengths, and you want to pick the right tool for the job. Now, there's another topic that's been near and dear to my heart. Again, I just want to test this with you. I don't know if it's just because it's been on my radar for a number of years or if it really is a trend that's happening, but it's this idea of preventing burnout and incorporating self-care with our clients, with the packages, the programs, the offerings that we make to our clients and students and to ourselves to prevent burnout. Do you see that as a trend, as something that as coaches, as entrepreneurs, we're going to have to really be cognizant of how am I helping them with their self-care, with their well-being so that they avoid burnout? You know, let's start with the disclaimers. Burnout is a very real thing. It's an awful experience. You know, wouldn't wish it on anyone. And we want to make sure that we're not doing that to ourselves, to the people we work with. We want to make sure we're equipping people to avoid that. At the same time, I feel like whenever a word and term kind of enters mainstream use, it starts getting used more than it needs to. And I have a real problem with the idea of kind of burnout being on on the periphery of anything we're doing all the time, always threatening to break its way in because, you know, among other things, the conceptualization of burnout always brings with it a feeling of like there's a victim energy to it, as in you don't have the agency to change things. And being a coach working independently, as many of us are, we have a huge amount of autonomy and agency right? We decide which hours we're going to work. We decide how we're going to interface with our clients. We decide what sort of marketing we're going to do. And so it's incredibly important to make sustainable choices there. But I worry a lot about the quality of abdicating that agency that I find 
concerning. And so likewise, when it comes to our clients, we want to empower them and support them to proactively make better choices, to recognize when things are not going the way they want, and then to change them. A good coach never wants their clients to become dependent on them. A good coach helps other people to be better, um, to better see challenges coming, to better handle themselves and correct course in the face of challenges. So I think self-care is incredibly important. I think avoiding burnout is also very important, but I feel a little bit of concern around the way that it is sometimes conceptualized or characterized. Yeah. And like I said, I wasn't even sure if I would even call this a trend or like you just said, really, it's just about being a good coach. And we've been talking a lot about the clients and their outcomes. So when we look at the trends of the industry, it used to just be like the executives or the athletes, those elite few back in the early days of the industry. And now I really see it more as I call it the everyday buyer. I don't know if that's actually true, but it's more normal. So what kind of clients do you anticipate will be interested in coaching? I think that's right. That's kind of what it means for something to go mainstream and into the early and then late majority. It's like it's kind of everywhere. It becomes ubiquitous. So it is the everyday buyer. But the challenge of that is that the everyday buyer is not usually looking to pay premium prices, right? You and I were coaching our clients who are coaches on how to have premium packages and charge premium prices. But there's something that kind of gets lost sometimes in, you know, in the midst of all the marketing training, which is that this all is a house of cards unless you're actually very good. Like you have to be very good at what you do. A lot of the trends that we're talking about, they're kind of coming together to make it so that it's going to be very hard to make a living, never mind do well, as a mediocre coach, as a just average coach. I mean, we're not that far off from AI just doing that job for you. A great coach has insight, has perspective, has instincts, and they'll bring a ton to the table. A mediocre coach I don't know if we're very far off. I mean, you know, months or maybe a couple of years before there will be a coach bot that you can, you know, sign up for and you're going to pay $17 a month or whatever it is. You have unlimited coaching and they're there for you whenever you need. It has never been more important to really work hard to raise the bar on your abilities and skills as a coach. If I could advise coaches, you know, what is the most important thing you need to do based on all of the trends? that are happening, I would say, think about, you know, the industry, the space in which you operate, if you're a relationship coach, if you're a business coach, whatever it is, and ask yourself, am I in the top 10% of skill, if not the top five or 1% of skill? And if not, what would you have to do to get there? Because that is the only thing that opens all the other doors. It gives you the insight into the market and the customer. It gives you that competitive differentiation that has some some stability and robustness to it, right? Like do what you need to do to get that good. And, you know, on the flip side, AI is going to be great for that practice, right? Because just as AI can simulate a mediocre coach, I think it'll more easily be able to simulate a typical client for you to practice with. But really focusing on skills more than anything else is going to be very important. Yeah. And I would say that if you're an amazing coach and and have mastered the skill of what the work that you do, a quote unquote disruption like AI is going to help you just get even better and serve your clients even better. Where for that average coach, it's just going to pull you back farther, faster. And there's an important lens to add to this, which is 
yes, things are speeding up faster and faster. And yes, you've got all these macro trends and AI. It can quickly feel overwhelming. But you don't have to assimilate all of that information. You don't need to master all the technologies. You don't need to come out, you know, the number one expert on whatever. You just need to be more adaptive, more resourceful, more resilient, more creative than most other people. And most people are very stuck in inertia. That's actually a pretty low bar. So, you know, I hope that is kind of encouraging. Now, I know you and I could spend a long time talking about more trends, disruptors, ideas, concepts. And is there any anything that I haven't touched on or talked about or asked you about that you want to make sure that gets in this particular conversation right now? Well, just, I mean, it's somewhat reiterating things we've said, but, you know, the curve of a lot of these changes we're talking about is exponential, but so is the curve of learning. And so if you look from where you are at the mountaintop, the peak of everything you don't know, it can be very daunting. But if you just focus every day on being 1% better, you know, by the end of the year, you'd be surprised at how much that adds up to. Just to continue that summary of what we've talked about, because we've covered quite a bit, you kicked us off by talking about making sure we don't rush into keeping up with fads, but really paying attention to what's going on, what are the trends, and what can we get out of it? Not trying to predict anything, but what's going on right now and what can we extract from that? We talked about the bell curve and the diffusion of innovations. We talked about hybrid capabilities and we talked about getting into that one-stop shop experience that helps us stand out and helps support our clients in getting the outcomes. And really now it's about focused on results and outcomes for our clients. We talked about the role of mental health, the world of virtual we talked about burnout and the types of clients that are going to be investing in coaching and the everyday person and what that really is. And we talked about some of the disruptors and the things that really stood out for me, whether w these trends are right or not, or some of our listeners might have other insights that are different from ours. Be really good and great at what you do. Like that is going to be a game changer no matter what trends are coming forth. And then there at the very end, when you talked about being able to be more adaptive, resourceful, and creative than those around you. Like that is going to carry you far no matter what the trends are. So Danny, any other parting words? Just thank you for the energy, for the attention, for the conversation. It's been fun and I'll look forward to doing it again. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. Also a giant thank you to Danny Innie for this incredible conversation. You can find out more about him at miracy.com. That's Miracy, M-I-R-A-S-E-E -E dot com. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and For Better or For Work. Mishi Lance produced this episode. I wrote this episode together with her. Cynthia Lamb is our supervising producer, and Danny Innie is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. If you want to listen to upcoming and previous great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might be listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people.
Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud, we can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.